Father, we thank you that we are free, that you set us free by your blood that you poured out on that cross for us. Lord, we thank you that you've invited us in here today, Lord. We just ask you to come in and have your way with us, Lord. Drop knowledge on us and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, for those who, maybe this is your first time, we are in our identity part of our counterfeit series. Um, and last week we went over God's identity. Um, and so we'll just recap it real quick. I'm just going to run through a list of a few things. If you have any questions, you can ask us after or email us and we can go into more detail. But um, identity is the foundation from which we establish all other things. Almost all other counterfeits that you allow in your life are there because of a lie that you let infect your identity. You allow these because of a lack of belief or faith in your true identity. Why should you care about your identity? It's how you see you, it's how others see you, and it's how it shapes your future, too. Um, all other counterfeits and lies stem from our inability or refusal to accept the identity that God has given us, so we seek other identities. Um, to understand who we are, we need to understand who created us, and that is God, who is God. God is who he says he is. We know that from the Bible. When we change things from the Bible, in effect, we are changing God. So if you change stuff in the Bible and you are worshiping God, you are worshiping actually a different God because that is the Bible 2.0 that you created. Um, anything that God did not give us or create us to be is counterfeit, period. End of story. It's easy. Um, the lie is anything that prevents you from believing or makes you question that. The enemy wants you to have a low opinion of who God is and what he's capable of doing. And to better understand who God is, read the Bible, pray, worship. Um, this softens and tunes your heart to uh, God's voice. So today we are in our identity, um, in our true identity, that who God gave us. And last week we went over this. Um, it's real easy. We are because he is. We were created in his image, so we are who he is. Is God stupid? We can't be stupid. Is God a failure? We can't be a failure. Is God alone? We can't be alone. We can't be alone. Like these are things that are, we have temporary feelings, but those aren't our identity. We can never take on those identity traits because they're not of God. Um, so since he made us in his image, we can only be what he is also. Um, we're going to pause there for a second. And before we continue on identity, we get this a lot. Is my identity and my calling and assignment the same thing? Quick answer, no, it's not. Your calling are your gifts and talents that God gave you. Um, musician, athlete, teacher, pastor, builder, carpenter, you know, a bunch of other things. Um, and you may have more than one. Odds are you probably do. Um, and God may want to use the one that you like the least. So you should really develop all of them, right? Um, now, we get it a lot of times, too, where I'm called to be a pastor. You're called to be an evangelist, then doesn't mean you're actually going to be up on the stage in front of people at church. You may be on a street corner. I'm called to be a worship leader. No, you have a talent of musician. You have a calling to use that. Now, that could be in a preschool setting showing God's love to little kids. So don't confuse the two. What you think you're called for is not that. That's your talent. Now, your assignment is where you're using that. So any given time. So for me, um, one of my callings right now is teaching. And I, every job I've had, I've always been the one like, you need to know what to do? Go see Jason. Um, then I had my gym for 10 years, and I, I taught um, kids sports development stuff, and now it brought me here. Did I ever see myself actually in kids' ministry and then here? 
Never. You could ask me as little as four years ago, and I'd be like, nope, that's not me. Right? God has a funny way of using your calling, your talents, and putting you in a different assignment. Right? And that's where we, we have a big problem sometimes, is we feel our calling is our identity. I'm supposed to be this. I'm called to be this. And when it doesn't work out the way you want it to be, you just don't use it. So you can use your calling. If you're a musician, I mean, you could bring music anywhere you go, to kids, to anywhere, um, or it may just be to help you know, uh, people in need somewhere else. You don't know that. Your assignment is wherever you are in life, you are supposed to use the calling or the talents that God has given you to the best of your ability. Now, your assignment will change constantly, as mine has. Um, yours probably will, too. So, um, and you got to remember, too, your assignment is not up to you. It's up to God. If you force it, it probably will not work out well for you. So if you are really trying to um, be that pastor or that worship leader or, you know, kids ministry leader or whatever it is, if you're trying to force it, what ends up happening is you're going through doors that God did not want you to go through right now, right? And that always leads a path of destruction because you have to actually break that door down. And it's usually you that gets hurt because if you ever had to kick a door down or bust the door down, you pound yourself, right? The easy transitions are the one where you walk through the door that God opened for you. I didn't ask to be kids ministry. It happened. Um, this just kind of fell into our laps as well, too. It wasn't something I was seeking or anything. Like, these are the easy transitions. And you know when you're in an assignment that God has called you because literally doors and windows are all open and every other thing closes behind you. So just remember that when we talk about our own identity. Separate your identity from your calling and your assignment. Okay, so back to identity. Um, and why does, a, why does our identity in Christ matter? Well, First, what you believe affects how you interact with others. Mark 12, 31, um, when he talks about, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, there is no uh, greater commandment than these. If you can't love yourself, you can't love others. And it's hard to love yourself when you have an identity crisis. You don't know who you are. You're like, I don't know who to love. I don't know if it's this part of me I'm supposed to love or this part of me I'm supposed to love or this part of me. Um, so, you have to let God expose that to you. The more you allow God to expose your heart, the more real you can be, right? So you actually have to be vulnerable for that. And we talked about that before. I don't know if it was here or downstairs. I get mixed up sometimes. But remember the, the parable of the farmer and the seeds. It's not, God's not just throwing seeds randomly and they're, some are falling in rocky. You are the farmer. The seed is your faith and your heart is the soil. Are you planting it in the hard soil? Are you planting it in good soil? And a lot of times to expose your heart, it, it tills. You ever um, till up ground and tear it up, right? Looks all good and flat first until you get done, and then it's all rocky. And that's what we need to do sometimes in order for us to um, get to that place where we hear God talking to us. And then he can help us with our identity with it. Um, second, what you believe about yourself impacts your relationship with God. Right? You may not think so, but if you don't think you are worthy, you know, how many times have you heard people, I, I'll go to church when I fix my problems first because I'm not worthy. If I go in there, you know, lightning will strike or whatever, right? Um, so it, it's because 
one, you have a low value of yourself, an opinion of yourself, which you probably should, but you have an even lower opinion and value of who God is and what he's able to do, right? So what you believe about yourself impacts your relationship with God. If you don't walk confidently in faith, you begin to not trust or believe in God. And we see that a lot. Um, we see the lukewarm Christian, and because he's not confident in his faith, one little thing will derail him, and they're gone for a while. Maybe they come back, maybe they don't. Um, until you know yourself, you can't be genuine. You will always be living a counterfeit, um, what someone else wants you to be, and that someone else is the enemy, right? So, and lastly, if you are not walking in your identity of God, you cannot produce fruit which glorifies God because you are in, the, in something that is not of God, right? So you can't produce fruit that glorifies God from something that is not of God. So what is your identity in Christ? Anybody want to guess? We have, I, I listed three, and these are the three I think if we just focused on more than anything else, I would say the majority of our problems would be gone. We would be able to shut the door to, to lies and counterfeits. The first one is, because he created me, I am fully loved. Right? He, I was purposefully made, I was created in his image, I will always be loved. Right? Because he created me, I am fully loved. We talked about... Um, if you ever were thinking about getting a pet before you start, before you get the pet, you're like, oh, you start thinking about all the things you're gonna do with the pet. And you start, you already have feelings for that pet before. That was the same with God. Like he didn't just go one day and go, oh, I'm bored, what do I do? Let's create man, right? He thought of us before. He purposefully made us. He put time into it. Then he made us in his image. He could have made us less than. We could have been armadillos, right? So our sense of self is always at risk if it is not rooted in Jesus' love. If we are created in the image of God, we're only real if who we are is in our core like God. That means we need to expose what is not of him and allow him to mold and prune us to be more like Jesus. That was Jen. She wrote that. All right, so that was the first one. Second one, because he pursues me, I am valuable, Right? We don't go after things. We don't go pursuing things that are going to, like, we don't go, you know, looking for skunks in our lives, right? Nobody goes out, you know, liking to pick up dog poo, you know, if you have a pet. But if there was gold bars out there, we would be out there in, a min in an instant, right? We pursue what's valuable. So does God. So the, the fact that he pursues us, the, the fact that he forgives us, the fact that he sent Jesus down on the cross for you shows you how valuable you are. And I don't think actually... I'll get back to that. Um, so because we are, he pursues us, we are worthy, we are wanted. And the last one is he redeemed us. And since he, because he redeemed me, I am an heir to the kingdom. I am fully forgiven. I, am, uh, I have authority and I have an anointing. I am royalty. Like these are all things, the, the valuable part and the kingdom part, I don't think we fully comprehend. I think it, um, I think that is something that because of our tiny human brains, we really can't fully understand. 
one, the value that we have, but then also our position within the kingdom and what, what's going to happen with it. We think we have an idea, and it's a pretty good idea, but I think it's going to be on levels and magnitudes higher than we possibly could ever imagine. And I think that's where our biggest problem happens with our identity is we don't really look at the value that we have in God. We go, oh, he created us. Okay. Oh, yeah, Jesus redeemed us. Yeah. But you have to really understand, like, when you have a kid, how many of you are going to, you know, put your kid up on a cross and nail him to a cross to die for your next-door neighbor, let alone for somebody who wants to hurt them, right? Like, if we could grasp that one concept, and, and even, like, not just grasp it in, what, in how we normally grasp it, if we literally just understood what happened the moment that Jesus was on that cross and the fulfillment of, of literally an eternal love kind of culminated there. Like, I don't think we could look at ourselves as anything less than, for sure. Because we had somebody that died 2,000 years ago who never, never even like, saw us, I mean, sees us, but like, we're not sitting next to him, talking, having fun with him or whatever. He literally went up there and died on a, on a cross for us and for everybody else, for the people that actually put him on the cross too. Right? So that's a hard one, I think. And that's where our identity, when it starts to go wrong, is we devalue ourselves in God's eyes, but then we also devalue what God has done for us as well. So what you believe about yourself impacts not only your relationship with God, but also how you go about life. If you approach life feeling fully loved, fully wanted, fully cared for, um, and, and walking with the anointing and the authority of an heir to the most powerful kingdom ever known, would you feel lacking? Right? It, you know, do you think, like, the president's kids feel lacking at all? They're like, do I can hop on Air Force One, my dad's the commander-in-chief. Like, they're not lacking, and, and that's a, an earthly army an earthly kingdom, and it's kind of a jacked-up one, too, if you watch anything on the news lately. Um, but we don't feel adequate. We wouldn't be anxious for anything. There would be nothing really to fear, right? And those are the two weapons that the enemy uses the most to, to, to remove you from your identities, anxiety and fear. B.J. Fogg, he's the director of Stanford's Behavior Design Lab. And you know how they say if you want to change a habit or a behavior, you know, do it for 30 days and it'll stick. And that's not necessarily true, they found out. It more has to do with um, the emotion involved during that time. So you need to find joy in that behavior if you're wanting to change it faster. That's why we don't necessarily, those are, who are able to do it, you know, do it because they find joy in, in that transformation, in that change. If they're going along, they're like, oh my gosh, I only got 29 more days. I only got 28 more days. I hate this. I only got six more days, you know. Then they're going to, that's why diets fail so much, because we're looking forward to the day it ends so that we can then go back to normal instead of finding the joy in either the process or, or the goal with it. 
So that is why a counterfeit identity is so easy to take on. We don't find joy in our identity in Christ. Why is that? We look past the identity itself and we worry and we're too preoccupied about what we might lose in that process instead of focusing on all the gains. And I'll explain that a little bit more. Um, we look at, well, I can't watch this, I can't watch that, right? The enemy doubles down on this too. When, you, when you're focusing like, oh, I can't watch this movie, I, I gotta act a certain way, blah, blah, blah. You know, these are all things that are taking any type of joy in that transformation that Jesus wants to do in you. You're fighting it along the way. The enemy doubles down on this, and while you are feeling sad about what you might lose, he comes along as that feeling of relief comes into you about, okay, I'm not going to do it because, you know what, it's just too much. So you get relief. And he comes down, and he brings joy in your life because of that. I don't have to lose that. And now he's got you, right? And in that moment, the joy you need to change your behavior to take on the identity of God has given you is now rooted in the things of the world you don't have to give up. And that is why Christians all over the world are not walking in their true identity in God, is because they're too worried about what they might have to give up. You know, other than the Sunday and the Wednesday night, you know, what else does that entail? When you walk in the identity that God has given you, the things you thought brought you joy actually no longer do. When you walk in the identity in Christ, real relationship, community, real love, real meaning, true happiness are all found in and through him. You don't lose anything because your happiness isn't rooted in community, meaning, love. They're rooted in him. One of the best things I heard um, right before we got married is never let your spouse be the source of your joy because they will disappoint you. If you put your focus of your joy in anything other than Christ, you will constantly be disappointed. So Jen is not the source of my joy. Does she bring joy into my life? Yes. But the source of it comes from Jesus so that no matter what, if, if her I are having an argument, I don't have to be miserable in it, right? And then because of that, I don't then retaliate and, and go against, you know, and that's what happens is we put things, we put our joy in our job, we put joy in either community, we put joy in whoever we love, and those all fail us at some point or another, and then what do we do? You know, we go in depression because that was our source of joy. Now, what am I going to do? The sad thing is, you focus on something that doesn't even happen. Because in the end, you don't give up anything. You choose to move on. And that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different outlook. You choose to move on. You choose something better. Unfortunately, so many people are still stuck over here because they're worried about something that'll never happen, right? Because as you grow in your walk with Christ, all those things, the things I used to watch, the things I used to listen to, the things I used to do, like that, they, they actually bring no joy whatsoever to my life. Even the thought of them sometimes, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just erase some of that stuff, you know? And it's true, as you start to mature in your relationship, you will find that is exactly the case. So instead of focusing on something that's never going to happen, focus on finding your joy in Christ. All right. So we are going to break up into um, groups in a second. Yep. Sorry. No. I told him I won't have anything, and I'm like, oh, I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to circle back because I think it's so powerful that we need to just go back to it and sink in it a little bit. Um, 
I just wrote in capital letters, find joy. That finding your joy in the three things that Jason mentioned, he created you and therefore you're fully loved. I was thinking about that creation and when he talked last week about when you create something, you don't, you don't just go, oh, here it is, you know, and you just do it. You, you think about, okay, when am I going to create it? What am I going to use to create it? How tall should it be? How, what, it, you know, what shape is it going to be? What, what are the, and, and think about every piece of us when it comes to anything from your fingerprints to your characteristics to how you perceive things. There's so many things about each individual person. And I was thinking, God could have easily said, I'm going to create a thousand. And then after that, I'm just going to repeat. You know, I'm going to get bored and just, I'm going to just clone those and just keep going, right? He didn't do that. Millions of people, billions of people he's created, and he still finds joy in creating every single one uniquely. He didn't get lazy and just stop creating. He's still being creative and creating new. And I love that about him. So really spend time this week going, admire the things that he created in you. Take a moment and write down, like, what are some things that he did unique in you and special in you? Because there's, there's special combinations in each one of us. And then the pursuing part, gosh, that is so, I hope, you know, because I feel like we, we went through it, but I want you to really sink into that. He, you're a treasure in his eyes. And I think so often we see ourselves as, eh, it's just another day. I'm just another person. I'm just a whatever, you know. But how, he reminds me how insulting that is when I say that about myself because I'm his daughter. You would never want someone to say that about your friend. They're eh. Or even negative, right? You'd want them saying, no, they're a great person because X, Y, Z. Write your X, Y, Z about yourself, God wants you to acknowledge what he's created in you and how valuable you are. You are a gold bar. Like Jason said, we would, he, he's out there seeking, like, that's my treasure. That's my child. And then the heir to the kingdom. Last week, and Ben, I've, I've thought of it so often. He said, do we walk with the swagger of a king's kid? And so many times this week, I've thought, just that line has crossed my mind. Am I walking with the swagger of a king's kid? Because that's how we're supposed to walk. And when we have that swagger, when we have that, no, I'm, I'm the king's kid. Nothing shakes you. Your joy is in him. You're, like Jason said, there is nothing that brings anxiety. Because No, because I'm the king's kid. He's going to take care of whatever I need. You're going to talk to me that way, Satan? Well, he's going to he's handle you. You know, this circumstance in my life, oh, my dad is bigger than that circumstance. He's got that covered. So I want to challenge you to focus on those three things this week. You're fully loved. You are so valuable, and you are the king's kid. Imagine if you walked around just fully understanding those things. Your identity in Christ and the faith that you would have would move mountains. So I just wanted to make sure we went back to that. I I loved what Jason talked about. The whole thing was great. There were so many good pieces of I'm like, we really have to grasp those three things that are so important to your identity. And and those are the things that you, when you have those two, the counterfeit will become so much more evident. You'll see something and be like, well, that doesn't rain in my 
my dad's kingdom. I know that's not part of my dad's kingdom. You'd be able to identify it quickly. Hopefully. <laughs> I say that, but then I go, oh, sometimes the counterfeit is pretty hard to spot. So as Jason said, we're going to break into groups. You want to finish now? Sorry for interrupting. We're just going to go into groups. Okay. You want to pray? Okay. Father God, I don't want to turn up. I feel bad coming up. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much that you are such an incredible designer, Lord. As I see the unique people in this room, Lord, it is just a testimony to what a wonderful and incredible creator you are, Lord. I ask that each person in here would understand the value that you have in them, Lord. They're so valuable that you sent your son to die for them. That is a value I, I just can't even comprehend, Lord. So help us. We can only understand it with the gift of your Holy Spirit, Lord. So we invite your Holy Spirit into us today. Help us to understand the depth of your love for us, Lord. How valuable we are and that we are your kids. And that we would walk with that authority, Lord. So be with us as we break into our small groups, Lord. Help us to... Um, just till the soil of our hearts so that we might receive more, so that you would turn up those stones, Lord, so that we could remove them and be fruitful for your kingdom, Lord. We surrender this time to you and say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.